Hello everyone, welcome to a very special episode of the podcast. Over the weekend I had the privilege of talking to an old friend of mine in Melbourne who is currently in lockdown due to the COVID-19 virus. The conversation was recorded through a Zoom call, so during this episode my guest audio will not sound how it usually does, as they obviously could not be in the studio, but the quality came through better than expected and I'm sure it is pleasant enough for all of you listening. I miss this guy a lot. We have very similar qualities when it comes to productivity and we take a genuine interest in each other's work. I learned a lot from him in this episode. We talked a lot about his design work in Melbourne and shared a deep insight into meditation and yoga practices, which I thoroughly enjoyed and I'm sure all of you listening will as well. Please welcome my longtime buddy, Ethan Fisher. Such is life. Anyway, man, how are you? Here we are. We're doing this. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm in crazy times over here. Yeah, so you're in lockdown now. <clears throat> yeah, and Again. first time being in lockdown for you guys went into it right away, but uh, yeah, it's our first time. We're fresh to it. Mandatory masks and all. Oh, so you never had an initial one? Do you sort of just no, float it around? Victoria went, or Australia went the way of the sort of semi, never really fully locking down approach. Right. In an effort to save the economy, I would assume. But, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it just didn't really work. And then as soon as things started to open up again, um, it was obvious that like they had to do it properly. So they went level four. Yeah, sure. New Zealand has been the, the case study for this. Like New Zealand did so well. For sure. Yeah. And I'm not sure why it's. You know, I guess I guess we were lucky in the in the fact that we could sort of see what was happening before it really got to us. We could sort of see what was happening and how it was spreading and what was working and what wasn't working, and sort of be able to go, okay, well, we obviously need to do what these guys are trying to do, but do it now. You know, while we've got so little cases, and also helps that the population here is so small that you can really contain. It, you know, you can really, or at least the culture here as well, people are really going to listen and actually stay at home. Whereas I feel like yeah. in America, for example, one of the reasons that they've got so bad with it is because that they've they've got this whole, you know, um, it's a free country, why should I listen to this and do this? Like, don't tell me to stay at home sort of thing. So people just go out and do it, you know? Mm. Yeah, and I think Australia is kind of similar. Yeah, um, I just don't think you can get this many humans to do something. You know, like it's New Zealand is perfect because it's its own yeah. little so it's sheltered little oasis yeah. at the bottom of the earth. It's got a really solid culture and people listen to authority and yeah. it's enough of a population where you can actually get people to like cooperate. But yeah. when you start to get these huge countries and nobody listens to the government anymore, yeah. it's like it's a weird concept to, to think that you can sort of tell a whole nation to do this one thing. Um, but then at the same time, it's also weird to think that someone can just say, right, everyone stay at home and you do look out and everyone is at home. Like every, every single person is following the rules. That's also a weird thought as well. I think that's just human nature. You can't really expect that extreme from that many people as well. But Australia yeah. seems to be doing different over parts of it as well. Like you, you, where you are is obviously a lot worse than, like, I think Queensland was doing pretty well. I keep seeing, for some reason, I was getting these updates on Queensland on Facebook. And I think a few days ago they'd had like zero cases. I'm not sure what the story was there, but it seems to obviously have yeah. been been doing differently in different places. 
yeah, well, they're states, right? So they each have their own government, but uh, and Victoria's doing the worst. But dude, I, I've my strategy throughout this has been to pay very little attention, and I, I don't like, I don't know the numbers, I don't know. I, I just know like what's the protocol when I leave mm. my house and when I can leave my house. And I've, I reckon now more than ever, I've focused on my information diet and like how much news is good and how, what is just feeding into uh, it can be pretty curiosity. Toxic, yeah, for sure. There, there comes Hugely. a point where it's just, if you're checking every day or, you know, two or three times a day, that can get pretty you can get you can start to get over worried, you know, and you're quite right. The best thing to do is just figure out what your limitations are, rather than being like, right, how many cases today or whatever it's going to be, because that that really starts to worry you. It's scary, dude. There's a pandemic. Like it's 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 really a full on thing, yeah. and I think yeah, each to their own. But like some have the tendency to just more information is good. The more informed I am, the better I'll be able to. Ca- handle this yeah 100%. but i noticed early on that like if i sat at the computer and thought about the collapse of civilization mm. for like more than an hour a day it had a Pretty terrible effect on me. Way. so yeah, yeah. so no i'm i i know that we're in level four and that i have to wear mask a mask uh but so i don't know how many yeah interesting as yeah. is, is there Become, like uh, a shortage at all like is it easy for you to go out and get masks because you need to. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I just wrap my scarf around my face. Oh, okay. Or yeah, uh, yeah they're available everywhere. Yeah. I'm sure mask manufacturers are making a murder right oh, now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Do you? Yeah. Are there like fines involved? Like if you get caught without one, is someone going to stop you? Yeah. Dude, the fines are massive. Um, I've heard a few funny stories. One, there was somebody went to KFC, and like. I don't know quite how it happened, but a pe- uh, an ambulance worker ho- heard somebody uh, making an order for like 20 family meals and they were just like, oh, that doesn't, that's not what you do in a, in a level four lockdown and got the number plate, called the police. The police went to their place and found like this giant party just pumping. Oh. And I think they got like $60,000 in fines. Um, Seriously? The, the, yeah, the fine for crossing the... Uh, an interstate border from Victoria right now is like close to twenty thousand dollars. Holy the, shit! The mask is a bit more, you know, it's it's like uh, two hundred bucks, I think, or more. But uh, yeah, no, it's serious, serious penalties. You just got to do what you're told and For stay sure. sane at this point. Makes sense, right? That's a that's still yeah. a heavy amount, but I suppose in such a large group, that's that's really like you're creating such a huge, um, you know. Uh, what do you, a cluster, I suppose, in that sense. Like if someone had the virus and there was that many people at that party, that could be detrimental. That could any number of those people could go anywhere, and that yeah. could, that could spread like that. You know, so I guess yeah. fair enough. But still, it's like holy crap. But, I but suppose uh, what I've learned is, I think that's the only way to motivate people to follow rules, at least in this culture mm. uh, in Australia, is like, no, you have to have a huge monetary penalty. And yeah. it's only at that point that people will start to follow the rules. Whereas oh, for sure. my impression on, on what New Zealand did, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it more just appealed to like the common sense and the honour. It was just like, here's the facts of the matter. We're doing a lockdown, follow yeah. the rules. Whereas Australia is very much like, I, I've read the statements from the guy who runs this 
who runs Victoria. Mm. And it's, it's all like, this virus is going to kill your grandmother if you don't follow the rules. So, and I'm not even being, that's not even hyperbole. Like it's, yeah. he's actually using this real like emotional yeah, yeah. fear-based language. And to me, I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. But I think for the majority of people, it's like, okay, I'll follow the rules. Yeah, And, and that's the approach they're you taking. You have to make that's it personal, eh? Especially because there's so many people in different situations that something like this may affect someone immensely compared to someone else, you know. So some people aren't going to yeah. take it that way. So you have to sort of almost cover all bases, figure out what it is that's going to get everyone to really like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Fines is one of the ways it's next to like violence that you would actually get people <laughs> to sort of cooperate, you know. Well, that's next, right? That's yeah. next. Oh, well, I've seen, <laughs> you don't seen pay the fine already. Yeah. 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 Let's That's hope crazy. it doesn't get to that. No, for sure. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, I mean, I'm sorry you're in that situation, but how long has it been now? Yeah. Uh, well, it's been a level four for, I think, a month. Oh, really? But we've, yeah, we've got another month because it was a six week and then they extended it oh, again. Heck. But, dude, I mean, I've been in this house. Like, I, go, I used to go camping, I used to travel. Mm festivals all these things that like gave me so much joy i've been in this house Basically every love night outdoors. for five months so like it's been various levels of lockdown for for five months mm. and uh yeah it's it's been a hard time it's been like a pressure cooker i reckon it's sure. kind of brought everything in mm. and yeah it's re it's really clear and for me it's really changed where i want to be like I'd, i don't think Australia is somewhere that I'd want to stay after all of this, just right. having seen how everything's gone down. Yeah. So Interesting how it's an event been, like this can alter your perception about where you are and who, what the leaders are actually doing, you know? I've seen it everywhere, man. And I think it's one of the benefits of this crazy time is that it's, it's just, you know, like growth happens through, through pain. So, you know, we're all having difficulties of various levels based on where we are in the world and our situation. But I think a lot of people have been forced to just reconsider their, what they're up to. Yeah. For and, sure. uh, yeah, I think, I, I hope that's a good thing. Yeah. I think part of it might be just sort of tied around, like in your case in particular, um, it might just be sort of like when it, when it is a, a disaster situation like this, um, you almost feel a sense of like, Oh my, I just want to be home right now. Like even though you may have a home where you've moved to, it's still a, maybe a wee bit inside you that's going, I just want to be at home right now. Or like I, f I feel, you know, not stranded, but, you know, you just feel a slight discomfort around it as well. That may tie into it a wee bit. Are you sort of yeah. finding like a good path, like aside from all this, are you sort of finding a good pathway or do you think you're achieving what you wanted to achieve in your move? To Melbourne? To Melbourne. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem to yeah. be in a good place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I lost my main source of income at the start of this uh, lockdown. Um, and so I had slowly been building like a community of people in Melbourne around my design, the design side of myself. Mm. And... Um, especially through the lockdown, that side has really started to come out because it's had to, because my main source of income was gone. I, I was doing this work for uh, mostly like companies in the US 
designing apps and stuff. But mm. when that went away, I've been forced to really reach out to my immediate community here and like find what is what is it that I really do, uh, like what is my value as a designer and really push that to try and get it to happen. So I think, um, yeah, the, the Melbourne has really started to give um, at this time when uh, when income was taken away. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, it takes a long time to establish a new community and um, start to get value from it. So are, uh, are you, have you been having more sort of jobs come in your freelance work? Have you sort of had more opportunities now through this lockdown? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but because I've... Or you've just been forced into the scenario where you sort of have to broaden yeah, that a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. Because I never really pursued it. I was like, oh, there's a friend who needs a website. Like, let's do it. And yep. I'll do that as a side thing. But yep. all of a sudden, my side thing had to become my main thing. Um, and so, yeah. I just got to push it a wee bit further. I've pushed it for the first time ever. And I'm only just, just, just getting started. But it's it's an exciting place to be. For sure. Um, yeah, 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 man. It's, it's a crazy city. I love the time that I was there, and I, I never had the experience of of being in Melbourne and and working and doing that sort of thing. But you can just tell the city is alive, and there's so many opportunities mm. here if you want to make them. It's just how you, what your attitude is like at the time. And I think my my attitude was fairly poor. Um, very, I had a very specific idea of the person I wanted to be and the things that I wanted to do in that city. Um, and mm. you sort of get the feeling for that straight away, especially moving from somewhere like um, New Zealand or Dunedin in particular. It's quite a, an eye-opener to sort of see what's out there and what's different and what things you can actually achieve if, if you want to. But I just wasn't there. It was kind of just I feel like I thought I needed to move away because there were things to move away from. But I think the mm. reality just was I just didn't know what to do really in either. It might have just been a bad period in my life. But I just didn't know what I wanted to do on either end of the scale, you know. So, I mean, yeah. you've obviously but I, committed. That's, but That's what you have to do, I reckon, man. Like, I think... At least I can say I did it, you know. I wasn't always just saying, oh, I want to move to Melbourne and, and never did anything about it. Like, I got there. Yeah, uh, and when things aren't way. working, you've just got to... Sometimes you just have to make a move. And, like, that move might not even give you what you think you want from it, it might mm. just show you that you shouldn't move. Yeah, but at least sure. you moved, you know? You just got to keep, yeah, that's keep right. moving and yeah. trying. You just got to try it. You're never going to know until you've actually done it. And and sometimes that's the only way you're going to learn. You might just have this mm. really solid idea that this place is going to make it work for you. But it's all attitude. And, and if it's, yeah, you're going to just end up doing nothing if you don't seriously commit yourself to what it is that you want to do. But it's easy to to sort of have an idea or, you know, at least have this notion about what it is you want to do or who it is that you want to be. You think that the city's going to give it to you, but you really have to take yeah. it from the city, I think. And that was something I didn't really know of. But again, I've been to need my whole life and I think I've taken as much from it as I can and still taking from it. You know, I'm pretty happy where I am now, but I think, I think I've definitely got more of a I guess, a, a, a mindset or a, a, a want to travel at least now. That was not something I was never very interested in um, until recently for some reason. I just sort of realized, well, there is a huge point in at least going to see places, you know, not necessarily moving somewhere, but sort of just getting away from home for a wee bit, you know. Yeah. I want to I wanna go back to uh, what you just said. I, I'm just trying to chew on it. You said you've got to, 
but a take take from the place rather than finding it there. What was the? You've got to take from the city rather than no. You've what did I say? You've got to yeah. Let this take it from the city rather than let the city give it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like I've um, done a bit of both. Uh, and I think the key thing there for me has been that the opportunity doesn't show up where you think it will. Like I've, my, most of my, my work, I mean, I've only had a very, very few clients from Australia, but they've all come from just being nice to people and then becoming friends and then learning that, oh, I'm a designer and, mm. and you're trying to do something and let's connect and make that happen. Just networking. Yeah, but but not even deliberate, like going out and trying to find clients. You know, it's just being a good human, yeah, and sure. then you have it values sort of into your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I've I've taken from the city in that I've really, wherever I can find guidance on how to do whatever it is I want to do, I I, I really use it. Mm. Uh, but I've, the city has also just given to me and and the people that I've met, I guess, and the the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm. the opportunity is there. The, the city gives you opportunity for sure, but it's just like what ones you want to take and how, what your attitudes towards it is. You know, I, I know, I just I say that because I know a lot of people that have moved to particular cities where it's whether it's usually Melbourne or Wellington seems to be the place that people places that people want to be, and I feel like people just sort of move there for the sake of being there. You know, like moving to mm. Wellington because it's a more cultured city or more an arty music community but it's like well you know what are you doing there now that you weren't doing here aside from being in another city you're the same person I mean I don't have a specific person in mind but that just sort of seems to be you know the people that I've talked to that have made these moves it's just like well you haven't gone there and started anything you know but I suppose if you're if you're already sort of deep into something um, creative or or whatever it is job wise if you if you are able to solidify yourself more from that city. You know, if you can, if you, if there's more of an artistic community in that city, and there's more opportunity for you, that makes sense. You know, take your career further. Mm. But the people that just, oh, I just want to get out of Dunedin and be in the city. It's like, okay, well, maybe just go on a holiday there for a couple of weeks and get an idea, rather than just like get up and move. And I'm sure most of these people have been to these cities that they think they want to move to. But yeah, it, mm. it can be a pretty risky decision. But at the same time, sometimes you do just have to make that decision and learn the hard way. That's that's most of how I learn about these sorts of things is just doing it. You know, you figure out yeah. you, you've bought the wrong product for what it, what it is you wanted to do because you wanted to get it done quickly, but you 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 didn't take the time to 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 educate yourself. You just sort of went in and did it. You know, and that's sometimes the only way people learn. Yeah, and I, I think it's so individual. Like I used to. I, I used to th- think that the things that worked for me would work for everybody, but that's such a an incorrect way of looking at things. Like some people might thrive from a move. Some people might actually really need to move. Mm. Um, or some people might not have even looked around them to where they could use the opportunities that are there. They're kind of blinded to them because they think they need to find them elsewhere. It's yeah, like, no, sure. if you ask the guy down the street, like he'll help you do the thing that you yeah, want to yeah, do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to look, look yeah. close before you make a big move. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, yeah. I oh, think... I wanted to say one more thing, if you don't mind. Yeah, about go ahead. like this this whole city movement thing. I think um, something that I've seen is people move 
to kind of sell out to a culture. Mm. So like I, uh, there's a, there's a clear like thread of Melbourneites who, um, there's like a clear just clothing style, art style, takeaway coffee cup and like greyhound dog. Like it's this cultural model. And I think a lot of people move and then go, okay, to fit in, I need to do that because I want to be a successful designer. So I need to do that so that I look the part so then I can get the job and da, da, da. And I think that's kind of a trap and you end up losing your, your individual. I think that happens move to these kind of artsy cities um, if you if you buy in fully to the cultures that are available there rather than kind of holding looking at the, the thing and going okay how can this help me with my mm. my aims going okay I'm going to play that game and win that game it's like no I think it's better to just hold on to a strong sense of who you are and what you want to do and go to somewhere where there's opportunity to help you create that and mm. try not get lost in the crazy crazy game that's going on and it's very easy to look at other people that are in that field or or crowd or whatever it is and just sort of immediately think right that's that's who i want to be and just follow it in the same route and you're quite right you have to look at it from your own perspective and take you know take 10 to just sort of look at what it is and what it's actually going to do for you um, and it's yeah very easy to watch other people that are doing well in their field and, and feel like the right way to do it is following the same steps as them. Whereas in actual fact, mm. there may be a few things that they've done that's going to work for you, but realistically, it's not all the same stuff. It doesn't always translate, you know. Yeah, and I think a big part of that motivation is you don't want to make mistakes, yeah. so you try and do what other people are doing that seems to work. Yeah, for sure. But I. Yeah, something I have to keep reminding myself is that you've you've got to try stuff that you might fail at in order to learn. And mm. it's like it's 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 better to do that than to follow some other well-tread path that doesn't have any. At least in my mm. the way I like to live, mm. it's better to to try something different that that isn't um, the common way of doing it and make mistakes and suffer that pain mm. but you learn so much and then you, you become stronger i think yeah. it's just a better way to go definitely i think you're always gonna learn better or perform better once you've failed like the first or second time like it's i think it's unrealistic the, the pressure's think, off eh? oh for sure like depending on what it is unless there's some sort of rare case where you have to get something right the first time i think you're always gonna be more prepared after a failure than doing sort of intensive research into something and figuring out what you think is a logistical way of approaching it. And probably it will get you 80% of the way, but you're not going to realize the effects of something until you've actually done it and not done well that you go, okay, that's why this doesn't work or that doesn't work rather than sort of going in. Because then you sort of become um, not arrogant, but you know what I'm trying to say, you sort of, if you haven't failed, then you sort of have that, okay, well, this works easy, sweet, I'm good to go, you know? Yeah, yeah. you think you can't fail. Yeah, yeah and exactly. then you're probably less less likely to take risks and innovate and mm. be creative because you, you're just going to stick exactly. with what has felt safe and secure. And, yeah, and might yeah. crash harder later down the track because you've got got complacent. Complacent is the word I was looking for. <laughs> complacent, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I want to uh, backtrack a wee bit. No, sorry, go ahead, you had a thought. No, it, was, it wasn't a fallible one. Come on. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly dart back to the to the lockdown thing. So, so how much and, and 
you've been in there for in a lockdown situation for a bit longer longer than I thought than I had previously thought. How much freedom have you really had in the last? Do you say since it's really started, like five or six months? Like, what is the most you've been able to do outside the house? Yeah. So if we if we go uh, if we go mid March is when it started, or late March, mm. and then we, since then we've had I think it was two or three weeks where the restrictions were at level two. So we could. So our our level system. Sorry to interrupt, but our our, le- our level systems, Australia and New Zealand, they're pretty much on the same ballpark of things, aren't they? Like the rules are pretty much roughly, the same. Yeah. Like we've sort of taken from each other in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we had a two or three week stretch. I don't know when it was, uh, where we could go travel within the state. I think or okay. throughout. Yeah, within the state. So I got like, I got a couple hikes in. A few epic uh, mushroom hunting days, uh, just gourmet edible mushrooms, of yeah. course, uh, and and that was like revitalizing. But then I, I totally didn't make the most of that because of in that time, like I became so socially withdrawn, and and everything was like all big and intense again. So I didn't jump back into the world, and then just like that, that was over. And then we've been in like level three, level four. Ever since, so I would mm. say in a five-month stretch, had about two or three weeks of relative freedom. Yeah. Um, yeah, and other than that, just being within the suburb and exercising for sanity. Yeah. Had you sort of anticipated it was going to sort of come back around, or you were going to be sort of in a further lockdown? And had you yeah. sort of taken the advantages where you could, or had you sort of just been continuing as normal in that period where you had like a couple of weeks? No, I, I, I wish I had taken advantage of it more. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I gave in too much to the, the sort of social anxiety that had built up a bit, and I didn't um, just go, oh shit, finally free. Like I should make mm-hmm. the most of this because the lockdown would come again. And it's weird. I knew that a, I knew that this would uh, there would be a second wave. Just the way that other countries were dealing with it, like New Zealand, and then the way Australia was doing it. I'm like, well, there's more people. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing it less well, yeah. so there's no way it's gonna <laughs> yeah, exactly. be better. Yeah, um, but that didn't factor in in that two three weeks. I was still quite like withdrawn. Yeah. So, yeah. And the next time there's a, a block of freedom, man, I'm gonna use the hell out For of sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Had you sort of taken the news on the chin though? Like when you sort of had been told you were going back into level four, was it kind of like, oh god, like how is it affecting your mental health? Are you sort of finding, okay, well, now this is the time for me to do such and such, or is it more like, uh, how do I use my time? Yeah, it wasn't too much of an impact because I've been working from home for so long now that it's sort of normal right. to me. And it was just like, oh, okay, I just that's all I can do now. I can't do the other yep. stuff. So, But um, now this has been the, the toughest time mentally that I've ever had. It's It's brought up so much stuff that, I've never had to deal with like anxiety has never really been a thing for me. I, I, I get like d- sad sometimes or heavily sad, like depressive states and uh, stressed, but I've never had anxiety. That's just like overwhelming, mm. like a worry about everything. Yeah. This um, is and definitely that's, that's anxiety triggering stuff. Hugely. And it's, it's with stupid shit. That's what the annoying part of it is for me. Like it'll be small things around the house or like, one little interpersonal 
interaction that didn't go the way I hoped it would. And then that'll just like weigh on me. It's small things Mm. that become super, super heavy, but it's, yeah. So it's been a really tough time, but I'm like, I've had some brighter days and it's always on the brighter days where I can go, Oh, I'm actually getting so much stronger through these experiences and encountering these different sides of myself that Mm. are struggling. And um, I just keep trying to to learn a bit more about yourself. eh? Definitely. And I think, a really important time for gratitude. Like I, in my lower moments, I'm just cursing all of the things that could be better. Like I wish I was in New Zealand where, where everything's chill and I, I wish I had a better house and, and all of this stuff. I wish I had money to pay my bills. For sure. But then I just go, no, like I'm safe. I have an organic store 200 meters down the road. Like stop complaining. Like you're fine. You're healthy. You're well. And so, yeah, gratitude practices kept me kept me on on track for sure. Yeah, that's that's good to hear, man. And because I think, um, yeah, you and I are fairly lucky. Obviously, me in in our country, we were lucky in how how it's been handled. But you know, to be able to have that time to to realize that sorts of things is and, and sort of helps you recognize like how you deal with these sorts of things anyway. Like it's it, it is quite an eye opener in such a rare case. I think I don't want to say that we're lucky because we're not lucky that this is happening, but lucky to have the opportunity to be in this sort of circumstance where you are sort of forced into this self isolation, like not so much a physical one, but more like an actual mental quarantine. You know, where if mm. it's depending on your individual situation. Like for me, it was just me and my flatmate. And we weren't spending immense amounts of times together. So a lot of what I was doing really just was on my own clock and usually just in my room. And you do, I wasn't too worried that I was sort of going to go down a dark path. I knew had I had things that were sort of going to occupy me. But, you know, after a couple of weeks, you sort of start to get those little things that sort of creep in behind and you, you figure out a way to ha- have to deal with it because there might be things that you usually had incorporated into your lifestyle that can help you with those certain things whether you know not that we couldn't go for a walk or anything but you have a wee bit less freedom there and you you can't Mm. really drive a certain distance which might have helped in the past but yeah Mm. it's an interesting time to to dive into yourself and and figure out what it is that you're doing and it's very easy to overthink things too i think be interesting to hear a bit more about how a majority of people are sort of felt in different areas of parts of different countries and different countries as a whole you know, like, have you had? I think it's 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 so individual. It's what's so interesting mm. is is you could be in the same country in the same situation, but like you and your neighbor are having a completely different experience. And I guess that's what it is to be separate humans. Mm. Like everybody's having their own experience anyway. But you know, I, I heard of one cool framing for the whole thing is that like um, if you think of a, a psychedelic substance, it's a they can be described as a non-specific amplifier. So it just amplifies whatever's already there. If you have trauma that's going to come up and if you're not in a safe space, you can't handle that and and process that. If you are like ripe for transformation, that'll come forward and you'll have a a ecstatic experience. Um, And this pandemic has been like a psychedelic for humanity. And it's just amplifying what's already there. It's amplifying fear it's amplifying a lack of trust in governments and institutions mm. it's 
like amplifying if you're stuck at home with all these people that you live with that you don't actually have good relationships with like that's going to be amplified too um, so yeah all of these things are becoming way more tangible and way more clear and uh like you said my experience of it has been like small things just will become bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and like it's i haven't I, I i need to do better at uh maintaining relationships and communication with with housemates because I, I live with like um five five people live here and all of us have a partner so at times there's there's like six eight people in this house wow. for long stretches mm-hmm. and and like if you're not communicating and uh keeping things clear then then it can get chaotic real quick and yeah if nothing else i've learned i've learned that yeah, for sure. And I I shy away from that quite a bit. Not shy away from the people that I live with, but sort of going out of my way to sort of make those relationships or sort of solidify or see what it is about those relationships that potentially are or aren't working. But um, that's that's an interesting way to look at it, like a psychedelic, you know. Not that I have a lot of experience in that realm, but I can see how it could be perceived that way, you know. But yeah, yeah. it's 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 tricky... I don't like to say, yeah, with this, with all of this stuff that's going on, I don't like to say too much that it's been great for me um, because it has been. But yeah, like like we say, it's it's different for everyone, and you you almost don't want to overemphasize how good it has been for you if it is a good scenario because it might not have been so good for someone else. You know, I I'm lucky in my regard to have been living with someone that I did get along well with. Um, whereas someone might have sort of been in a position where they were looking at something else or they wanted to move out or there was something that that was quite wrong in that scenario and now they're sort of trapped in it, you know, which aside yeah. from the actual virus side of it is pretty pretty hard to deal with on its own, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some people have been in, in – and again, this is how – this is a really tangible way to get a gratitude mm. is to like, yeah, hear of the other some other situations that people are in that are, are really really tough. Um, but I would say, man, like I, I think sharing your experience is so important. I mean, I would love to chat with you in the middle of my darkest moment in mm. lockdown and just hear that you're having a good time. Mm. I'd be like, oh fuck, feel at least there's one of us. Yeah, know? for sure. So, yeah, that's quite yeah. powerful. Yeah. Mm. So oh, even yeah. if your experience through, I, I mean, I'd imagine some people have like had the most space to be creative that they've ever had. They don't have to go to work. They can mm. finally do what you know they want for sure. They really want to do. Yeah, so. it was a good excuse for for people in that scenario to start doing the things that they want to do. And that was actually something that I wanted to ask you. Has there been anything that you've implemented, small or big, um, that you you know weren't perhaps able to do before, but you were able to do over the lockdown, or anything that you're starting to do now that is is new to you? Honestly, not really. You're just sort of uh, diving it, it, into existing hobbies and things. Yeah, it's been, it's been like, I don't know, it was kind of like an earthquake and everything shook and I sort of dropped everything, all of my routines and habits and even my, my work, like I didn't have work for a long stretch. Um, but I couldn't get support from the Australian government or the New Zealand government. So I was fully on my own and I had to sort of just like hustle and push and make it work. Um, and so I sort of, I dropped everything for a while and then I've just sort of been picking stuff back up and getting them going again. Mm-hmm. And I feel I'm in a good, 
a good spot now. Um, but it's it's nothing too new. I think if anything, I'm I'm exercising a, a shitload more just out of necessity because it's what has grounded me and and uh, cleared my head when I needed space mm-hmm. and um, yeah, a way to be outside. Um, but no, nothing. Still, still doing art from time to time. Still writing a lot, designing. Um, I mean, this is boring, but like video games, dude. Video I, games aren't boring. Oh man, <laughs> I, I, I didn't used to play because I, I, I was in this like one track discipline is the way mm. mind, mm. and video games will not get you there, sort of. But I've benefited so much from just having this like universe simulator that I can log out in mm. and shoot aliens and yeah, like yeah, just dude. have yeah. space from it all. I've been careful to keep it, you know, I only, I only do it when I have sort of feel I've earned it, but yeah, it's sure. been such a, a safe space to just go to and, so and kind of log out for a bit. Is that something, because the Ethan that I know, or at least the Ethan that I first knew, was very much into video <laughs> games and that sort of tailed off a wee bit. Like recently, that hasn't been something I've ever really heard you talk about. Are you sort of finding an easy transition back into it? Like are you sort of finding yeah. nostalgia amongst it as well? Oh my God, dude. Because <laughs> Halo, all of the Halo games have have slowly been coming out on PC. Oh, and really? I, I, play, I play PC now. Right. So That's it has been be. a nostalgia, like a nostalgia bath. I've just been, it's been so cool <laughs> to play play through the games. And also they've, They've remastered them, so they've brought them up say, to the yeah. quality of a recent game. Oh wow! And like, it's beautiful to play. So Fantastic. Do, tons do you have to pay for them? Really they, yeah. easy to drop back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah, oh, man, that's ideal. I um, I love, I love that part about video games. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Hamish, on the previous podcast about this. I like the immersive side of games. Like, I'm no gamer, and jumping into any given game. I'm usually not going to do well straight off the bat. Someone tells me how to play this game. It's, there's still something that's not working here for me, you know. <laughs> but I like being inside those games, you know. Like the thing, I, I bought a few games for my PS4 over the last couple of months. Would have been actually a longer, I've had it for longer than I thought. But I sort of bought games that I knew I could just sort of fuck around in. Like if I start a campaign or anything, I know I'm not going to do well in that game. Like it's it's just there's going to be stories and things that I'm supposed to know from like yeah. just years of growing up gaming, you know. But I just don't have that knowledge base. But you know, something like GTA or Red Dead or whatever it is that you can just sort of jump in, just and even if you're whatever. not following the story, you can just run off the pathway and just do shit anyway. You know, it's just a sort yeah. of a free play thing, and that's something I really enjoy about video games, and can understand why you'd be so invested in them. You know. Well, but yeah. is it just Halo you've been playing? I've I've played a few, man. I've played. Um, oh, let me think. Oh, dude, there is a developer. These guys that make video games, they're called Amanita Design. Amanita is like that that uh, white and red mushroom, those crazy ones that you see in like pine forests and things. Do you know the ones? Red yeah, with white yeah, spots, like your very cartoon stereotypical mushroom. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're actually real. Like they're a real mm, one that right. are, they're in Dunedin. I used to see them all oh, the really? time. But so this this group of dudes who makes video games, they're called Amanita Design, and like Amanita Muscari, the mushroom is actually you can uh, have it's a psychedelic. It's not in the same class as all the other psychedelic mushrooms. It's its own very weird thing that you actually have to. 
like it's got a weird story that the shamans would drink the the urine of uh, reindeers because the reindeers would eat the mushroom and then kind of process it in all of their organs and then their urine would be psychedelic. So the, the shamans would serve and drink this this Amanita piss. <laughs> that's a, that's a roundabout way of saying that these guys make really trippy games and um, they're, they're called Samarost and like they're all hand drawn and they have beautiful music and like all of the characters and sounds in the game are all made by just human voice oh, wow. so like the characters just make like weird, <laughs> weird human sounds and I've yeah. been loving those games man they're, they're really cool and super immersive like you're in this strange, weird, trippy world. It's just like a click adventure game. You point, click and point and you go and yeah. try and figure out these puzzles. So I've been, I've been deep in those as well. And those are really fun worlds to be in. Yeah. that I can imagine the the human voice part will make it all the more sort of immersive, you know, because it just feels a bit more organic. Yeah. That was one yeah, yeah. kind of video game that I never, just by the sounds of what you'd described to me, is the kind of video game that I've sort of stared away from because, like, I don't really have the patience a lot of the time. Like, one of the big examples would be, like, um, I don't actually know what the title, like the, some of the Super Mario games where you're sort of just leaping over things and collecting this and that and going up and round and under things. Strategy games that I never really had the patience for. I just can't yeah. get immersed in that. Like I'm such the type to give up within the first couple of minutes of playing a game like that. But I get it, you know. Mm. I think the, the, what gets me about these games is just an appreciation for the art of it. Like it's, it's these hand-painted scenes that are so oh, wow. elaborate and so beautiful. And the music is all like really well. Um, the, their most recent game was the soundtrack was made by um, Unknown Orchestra, who's who's really cool. You could find him on Spotify. It's this Unknown one Mortal dude. Orchestra? No, no, wait, Secret Orchestra. Maybe Secret Orchestra, but but it's it's this one dude who just gets kind of orchestral artists together to make music for a, in a particular vibe or for right. a particular project. Yeah. So you, and you're he made, he made the, it all. Yeah. He made it all for the, the Amanita's most recent game Creeks. And like, it's just beautiful. I would, I would finish a puzzle and like the music kicks up to like this awesome sort of happy yeah. vibe. Yeah. And I'd just stand there. I'd like put down the controller and just like, listen, cause it's <laughs> just that the, good. the, it's that good. The attention and, to and detail. I, the appreciation of the art. I think is what what keeps me stuck on those ones. Whereas something like Super Mario, you know, that's it's kind of cool to look at. But that's all about nailing jumps. It's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and very yeah. like clingy sort of twangy melodies to go along with it that you don't listen yeah, to for a couple of seconds and then it just gets really annoying. <laughs> you know what I found uh, a while back is there was a game I never played it called Donkey Kong Country, and Donkey Kong Country has the sickest soundtrack ever. <laughs> <laughs> if what you, platform was it on? I think I don't even know. Game Boy or Nintendo? One of the Nintendos. Yeah, but um, it's an interesting story. I wish I I could remember it, but it, uh, you might be interested too. The the guy who composed all the music, it was for a quite an old console, so the, the the musicality was really restricted by the technology. Sure. And it it was really rated for like how the hell did he produce such beautiful music? Right. With such limited sounds, yeah. Uh, I wonder what tools he one, had available at the time. 
whether it was like yeah. a synthesizer, whether it was actually playing things and warping sounds, that sort of thing. Sometimes things just it's, age well, like out of luck, you know. There's a there's a track called like Sticker Brush Symphony that is just it's a it's a vibe, it's a world. <laughs> Send me that. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and remember. Fantastic, that's so cool, man. Oh, glad to see you're finding joy in that in that old hobby of yours. Yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah, really cool, and uh, I think. As a as an internal process within myself as well to let go of this idea that I just have to be disciplined and that's the only way I'm gonna be happy mm. and actually go like nah dude this is a hard time like play some video games if you need to yeah, and for sure just allow myself that space has been super helpful yeah hundred percent oh that's cool are you um one thing that I had started doing actually messaged you about was starting yoga during quarantine because um. I've, it was just something that I could do at home and I didn't like all the sort of exercises, I guess. And like they had stuff on TV which didn't really appeal to me, sort of turned on. I thought, this is corny. I don't need like a super hard out cardio workout and yoga just sort Dude, of seemed to tick the box. Then I don't want to interrupt, but my, I, my grandma tried that. She like <laughs> tuned in and she's like, what the fuck? These are <laughs> so hard. There's no way I can do this. All these yeah, people with Les intense, Mills. <laughs> Pretty intense like, compared gosh. to like some basic stuff that I looked up on YouTube, just like really easy, you know, squats and lunges or whatever it was, jumping jacks, and then going on to like one news or whatever <laughs> it was playing on and seeing these people throwing themselves around <laughs> super like fast paced. It's like, Jesus, I'm yeah. not doing that, yeah, especially yeah. someone who's just starting out, you know. But yoga, yeah, I oh, found elderly, yeah, yeah, true. That's an even funnier <laughs> thought. <laughs> oh, at least she's having a go, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she tried, but she said like there was no way. Uh, fair enough. But you, you know, as soon as you see those things, you go, "This is silly." But that being mm. said, um, I used to think that way about yoga. I was never, you know, arrogant towards. It. I never thought, "Oh, this is bullshit." But I was never like, mm, "What is that going to do for me?" You know, what what is the point in that? But it's like, "Ooh, okay." Once you actually get like a proper lesson from someone, and you sort of realize what you need to do, and why you're doing it, and how it's going to help you you sort of get a whole new perspective on it. And I can imagine that's translatable to anything and especially exercise that like you can sort of think, oh, that's too intense for me or whatever. But once you actually do it, you sort of realize what it is that's doing and why it's good for you. And yoga was immensely beneficial for me in that in that regard and sort of filled in time as well because that was another mm. thing about being locked down. It was just like, right, how can I fill in a morning, you know? Do half an hour of yoga, do an hour of yoga, whatever it was going to take, you know? And that was... That was mm. It was funny, like I I sort of found that, and I suppose this is like this with any exercise, is that it sort of brought, like it helped me initially, it sort of got me to a place where I was like, okay, this is this is great, I feel amazing after this, I was doing it in the morning, you know, it got me ready for the day, I was excited to get up and do it. But then I started realizing that I had adapted to it very quickly and because we were only in four weeks, there's enough time to get like a good sort of, you know, period of time routine. where you've done... Yeah, routine. But then coming out of that and sort of going back to work for the little time I was sort of in level three, I wasn't doing it as much. And because of that, my body sort of started responding, sort of going, not like just getting a wee bit stiffer in places that I wasn't actually having problems with before. So it, it definitely helped me in the short term, but it was also like my back was sort of going you need to do those stretches that you've been doing because that re felt really nice, you know, and just sort of adjusting to that thing. So I've sort of 
come away. I haven't been doing it as much as as when I started, of course. Um, but sort of notice little things here, you know, just feeling a wee bit stiffer. And if I don't go a couple of days without doing it now, I go, oh man, I could really use with doing some yoga. Whereas beforehand, I never really felt the need to do yoga. So I don't know if it sort of benefited me or whether it's you know actually good well, that I've implemented it. Let me ask, what, how did it feel while you were doing it? Oh, it's fantastic. Love it. Love it. everything how did, about how it. Did the, how did the body feel? Yeah, great. Yeah, good. Yeah. I, the only instruction I had was... was um, a YouTuber, so I never really had sort of a personal touch as to whether I was doing something right or wrong, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk you, to you about. Um, you know, the problematic side of, of of watching things on YouTube and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. no, it felt amazing. Like everything that I was watching and, and doing felt good every time, and I sort of knew my limitations pretty early on because, of course, you know, when you're stretching your body in in different ways, you sort of realize how far you can and can't go. And of course, part of the the exercise is, is just sort of you know, stretch it out and 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 be able to go a bit further or go a bit longer, that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. It, it definitely felt good. There was never a point where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait till this is over." It was it was definitely a whole twenty minutes, half an hour of like, yes, yeah. Well, what I would think, I don't know if this is woo, woo warning, but I think when you when you do something like yoga, you just you increase your sensitivity. So like you do it and your body goes, oh, whoa, like I, it's alignment. It's mm. things are open and not tensed and you feel great. But that's the downside. The opposite side of the coin is, well, now you're sensitive to what it's like to feel good in the body. Right. So it, when you go back to not being good in the body, you, you really, really feel it. Um, I've noticed that and it's kind of like, like why isn't everybody enlightened, right? If it was an easy, blissful thing, mm. we would all be there, right. but it's not. It's like when you increase your sensitivity to, um, to your mind, to, to suffering, to the body through yoga, you're, you're opening up to like the, right. the other side of it too. So it's, it's actually a really difficult thing. And I think that's what you experience in that little chunk mm. there is like, yeah, when you get the body aligned and feeling good, then the downside of that is when you go back to how it was before, you're going to feel right. it extra, extra hard. Yeah. Um, so do you think that's just sort of a short-term effect that's taking place or is it now like not stuck doing yoga but sort of at a point where it's part of my lifestyle and it's going to just help me sort of go through it? Like how often do, are you doing yoga? Yeah, I do if it. If at all at um, Oh, tons, man, tons, tons, tons. I, I don't do it daily but – uh if I don't run or, or throw around a kettlebell, I'll do yoga. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't get, if I didn't do it in a week, I would feel really, really not right. And it's something I've thought about, man. It's actually a really interesting topic. Like, oh, am I just, do I have a life sentence of yoga now? And like, <laughs> it was sort of the just, point on a smaller scale that I was trying to make. Like, am I a yoga yeah. guy now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the same with meditation. Like uh, I, I also sit every day. So if I don't do that and I feel my mind just turning into this like chaos whirlwind, I'm like, oh, do I, am I enslaved to meditation now if I want yeah. to be like yeah. in a sense of well-being? Yeah, that's but, interesting. But I think it's what I just said. I think it's like you're just increasing your sensitivity. So it's up to you. Like you can adopt that as a daily practice or you can go back to the way it was before. And yeah. there's no, 
there's no moral moral right or wrong there. It's totally up to you. Mm. But um, yeah, I think I think yoga is so misunderstood as this like stretching practice. That's what it has become in the West. But like, it was created so that dudes in India could sit in the meditation pose for as long as possible. Right. It was it was purely a spiritual uh, a way to help the body in a in a spiritual pursuit. So I think it's just. Um, yeah, it's it's become a the, the perception of it is is weird. Yeah, in in, well, in the West. Yeah, my again, my first introdu- introduction to it was through a trainer on YouTube, and that was great. You know, it's a good intro to it all, and you sort of get a small insight into that that side of things, like the meditation part of it. Um, but yeah, it 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 more just felt like a a workout sort of thing than it was a a meditation thing, and. I, I didn't really have the opportunity because every time I was doing it, I did like a 30-day challenge because I had 30 days free to do it. So I was like, why not? And got through the 30 days. And it sort of wasn't until after that that I sort of realized that that part of it is quite important. Like the breathing exercises and everything sort of get you to a sort of a peaceful state and sort of a point where your body can sort of open up and you find you can go you know, a wee bit further than you thought you could or, or whatever it's going to be. But yeah, it wasn't till I started taking what I learned from those sessions and sort of making it my own routine that I sort of got into the meditation side of things. But that being mm. said, I don't really know what meditation is or how to approach it or what it feels like. So I have a mm. feeling I was just super relaxed. And that may well be yeah. what the gist of it is, but it was kind of just like, okay, this just feels a lot more free-flowing and immersive now that I'm doing it sort of on my own time and, you know, form, I suppose, mm. rather mm. than sort of being told what to do at a certain time, which is a good way to figure out what a certain movement or action should be doing to you. But actually being able to respond to your body in your own time is really what felt like went, felt like I actually was doing yoga, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. That's actually a, a really deep insight, man. Mm. To to realize that, yeah, that the yoga was you getting to know your body and feeling your body. That's yeah. that's what it is. It's not a class that you buy. Mm. It's the relationship with you and the practice. Yeah, that's, and of course, awesome. part of those sessions that I was taking, she was saying that you know, like hopefully these are just giving you the tools to go off and do that. And so I, I just I did went off and did that. Once it was done, I wasn't like right. I've done my thirty days. I'm good to go for a while. I was like, well, yeah. uh, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to keep doing it. So it was like, okay, well, how do I make my own routine? But like you, so you you say you meditate quite often. Is that? Yeah. I presume you sort of intertwine that a bit with your yoga practice as well. But on its own, I mean, I'm going to ask you to explain meditation to me because I feel like it's something I probably just have to try and do. But what I don't, I don't know how you know when you're in meditation. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, when did you sort of realize, oh wow, I've just meditated? <laughs> wow, thank you. That is that question makes me so excited. Yeah. I love, I love to try, I love to try and talk about this stuff. What was the question? When? When did I know that I was meditating? Yeah. Oh, I guess I guess you could start. Why did you first decide that you wanted to meditate? And was it through yoga? Did you discover it through yoga? I'm probably firing too much at you, but you know. No, 
No, yeah. No, yoga came later for me. And uh, I don't want to... Yeah, yep. And I don't want to... You know, however you get to yoga is totally cool. I don't... I think I might have the tendency to try and oversell it as the spiritual thing and everything else is bullshit. I don't mean to do that. Like, however you get to it is awesome. It's just you and your body and that's the practice. So, so learn through that. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think I was meditating before I was doing yoga. Um, it's, it's a really hard thing to, to, to start with. So could you ask the question again? I'm sorry. I, that's okay. So I was meditating before yoga and they kind of link up now. But Yeah, so um, I guess what I want to know is because it's something I'm interested in, I guess, trying is meditation. And, and my question stems from when I was doing yoga, I didn't really know what it was to be meditating, to know if I was in a meditative state, if that's even a word, during the yoga, you know. I sort of definitely felt a feeling that I hadn't felt before, but I'm not sure if what it was was meditation, you know? And I think perhaps that what is that is what defines meditation is just sort of finding a different state of mind. And that's really all it was to me. I just kind of just felt super calm and didn't, like I often feel like I'm in a, a rush to do things, you know? It was kind of like my initial thought around the, a yoga practice was like, right, it's 20 minutes, it's been five minutes, it's been 10 minutes, we've got to get through 20 minutes. But then when I was doing it onto my own, it got to a point where it was like, I'm in a position and I, I could go longer. Like I could just sort of be yeah. in that moment. But so I that's sort a, of had That's this, a great place for me to, to pick up yeah, on. And I, go ahead. I, just because I can see how yeah, it would yeah. thread from there. It's like, yeah, you're, you're in the present moment. So you're, you're no longer thinking with this context of time and you're no longer like halfway okay, what am I doing after yoga? And how far am I through the yoga class? You're, you're all here. You're just, mm. you're, just, you're just here. And like, you're not wanting something else. You're not pushing away something. You're just present. Mm. And that feeling in the beginning is like, oh, pr- um, it feels so good. I, I don't have worries. Like yoga is amazing. And you, you can fall into the trap of thinking that that's what it is. But the, the more you access the present moment through a practice like meditation or yoga, and they're pretty much the same thing, man. One is just using the body and one is taking the body completely out of the picture and just using the mind. Mm. Uh, but it's just practicing coming back to the present moment. And the more you do that, the less it's this like holy shit feeling and the more it's just this calm, normal state. Mm. And then through practice, it bleeds through into your day. And then it just becomes more and more where you're living from this, this state of, of like completely being here rather than being scattered across other yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think I probably overthought what it was before I went into it, you know. It's, it's, it's easy to sort of have preconceived ideas or notions about what a certain thing is. So it's, I guess to me, why I sort of wonder these things is because I kind of thought... You know, when you're in meditation, you sort of unlock this realm of your mind that you sort of, it's almost like a psychedelic experience. Um, Not that I seriously thought I was going to be hallucinating or anything when I meditated, but I think it was underwhelming in a way, if, if that is what happened to me. It was underwhelming because 
I think I didn't really realize the state that I was in until afterward. So I, mm. I suppose I took it for granted. And then looking back, it sort of thought, oh, well, I, you know, it was this or that. But it's weird having ideas about what you think things are before you get into it. And specifically like with this sort of thing, like meditation or, you know, drugs, that sort of thing as well. That's another thing we get into. But having an idea of what that thing is going to be like before you get into it is weird because sometimes you sort of almost bypass the experience by having a higher expectation. Yeah. You sort of go, oh, well, when am I going to be meditating? Or when is this thing going to kick in, you know? But you might have already been there or sort of taken for granted the aspect of what it actually is, having a, a greater understanding of it. Yeah, yeah, that's such an interesting thing. Um, and I'll, so the, the kind of, when I really latched on to meditation, I feel like, I touched an experience where I realized, oh, this is definitely worth doing, was through uh, Sam Harris's app, Waking Up. So I'd recommend that to, okay. to you or anybody who was wanting to get into it. It's quite, it's quite intellectual and it takes out the, the woo as much as possible. Like he's a neuroscientist, so he's what? like... Sorry, just explain the woo. You said that a couple of times. What do you mean by that? Oh, sorry. Like woo is is like uh, hold this crystal to align your chakras, man, and like don't don't take <laughs> don't take the panadol. Just like meditate, bro. You know that that's woo. <laughs> okay. And there's there's a lot of that going around. Like as soon as you have, like I said, the the first time you touch that present moment, it can be like, let's say that happened at a ecstatic dance. And so like you get this feeling of being utterly embodied, expressive and in the present moment. And then you, you want to get that more and more, but your community is like a woo community and they don't, they, you know, that's where you try and find it. So okay. like the woo-ness becomes the source, whereas <laughs> no, it's quite like a grounded, yeah. accessible thing okay. without the woo. Wow, that's so interesting. Sorry, that was hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> so I guess how... What benefits did you sort of reap from the meditation? And when was it that you sort of realized that meditation is something that is benefiting you? You know, did it sort of take the first time to go, wow, that is something that I'm going to keep doing? Or is it sort of like, that didn't really do anything for me the first time? What can I do differently? I mean, that's probably a broad question, but what sort of brought you to a meditation practice, I suppose? Just sort of realizing it did benefit you in whatever way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, dude, I don't know where to even start with it. I think I'll just say that like the general approach I'm taking to life is finding people that I admire greatly and trusting them. So like as I was listening to podcasts with people that I admire and hearing, okay, they meditate, they meditate, they meditate. So there's something there, mm -hmm. like smart people that I admire and would like to be that like they're, they're heroes to me do this thing so there must be something there right um so that sort of ties but, into what we were saying before about having sort of a an idea or sort of seeing someone take a certain pathway and and, and i guess following that so had you sort of taken it on your own to sort of figure out what it was or had you sort of yeah you know, yeah been introduced I, I think, through others personally yeah it was always kind of around me and in the hippie world, I guess, this is kind of where I kicked off my individuality was through festivals and, and meditation is always a thing there. But um, yeah, like I was saying, I, uh, I do this, the meditation app with Sam Harris and his guide is, it's a very specific method. 
But, um, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about what you said before with all the, the pre preconceived ideas mm-hmm. of what you think it'll be. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I'm completely missing. No, please. You can always suck it back. Go where your train of thought goes. Yeah. Um, the trick is like when you realize that that's just a thought. So when you're sitting in meditation and you go, am I meditating? And instead of going, no, nah, I don't think I am. Or yeah, it feels like I am. You just witness the thought of, am I meditating? Thought. And all of a sudden you're this awareness of your thinking. You're not the thinking. And it's, it's meditation is, the, is like the bicep curl of that exact small. And it's so subtle, man. That's what makes it tricky. It's oh, wow. so subtle. Yeah. It's just like a bicep curl. Every time you catch yourself thinking, you go, thought. Not me, thought. And right. you, you slowly cultivate this, this space between the thoughts and the awareness which chooses to make actions in the world. And that's the, that's the core benefit. When With enough practice, when you start to sort of embody this, you have space. Like something irritates you and you can see irritation or I feel it in the body there's a thought attached to that I witness that thought I want to yell but I'm going to choose not to like it's it's just this space away from your emotions and thoughts which gives you a bit more chance to to act in a way that you'd be proud of and I think that takes a while to really show itself in the world and I think that's why you have to kind of commit to it for a long time um but it's tricky, dude. It's so tricky. It's so subtle. Mm. The the differences in, even though they're profound in the way that the way that your awareness changes, it's it's so subtle in the meditation set. These tiny little bicep curls of like, mm. oh, I was stuck in thought. Oh, I was lost in thought. You know, and it, that's wow. That's what meditation is, and that's how it's useful. But um, right. it takes practice and and dedication. I'd say. Oh, 100%. I can't imagine that would be a feeling that would come from a week's worth of doing it, you know. That's a pretty no. insightful explanation of it and quite cool. uncomprehensible, I'm glad I got it out. you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's I'm glad I got to, it out because it's hard to do. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, the, the other thing I would say is that like so much of this stuff is not understood by the thinking mind. Right. Because it's like you put it in words and then all of a sudden you're thinking which is not what meditation is. So all of this experience happens in a place which you can't really language. And so that's what makes it even tougher to like. Right. Like now meditation is being sold as productivity and mental well-being and all of these things, like, which it does. But it's also allowing you to get a better grip on like what you are and what reality is and, and all of this stuff. But, but all of that happens behind the the thinking mind so it's 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 hard stuff to talk about but yeah. it's so fun to that's why I'm so joyous to talk about it because yeah well I, I was kind of hoping the question would open things like this because it is one of those things that is very hard to explain something that sort of happens in in your mind on your own time that is happening for whatever reason just sort of being at peace is something pretty hard to to sort of relay and I suppose the big part of it and why you would want to do it on your own is to experience what happens for you, you know, what meditation mm-hmm. is, is for you um, and, and how it helps you and how you get there, you know. Do, do you find that 
when you're when you're approaching it or when you're starting that you sort of you're already sort of free of thought before you're into it like I kind of I'm going to ask you an interesting question again but like do you some days sort of go I need or want to meditate but can't meditate because you're trying to meditate do you know what I mean absolutely absolutely this 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 month like this is why it's a practice and like uh, I've heard of that there's some Buddhist schools which the, the the first day that you go to the school you've committed your life to being a monk right you go to the school and they tell you right away, like you're not getting enlightened. It's not going to happen. That's that's the first thing they tell you, even though that's your primary goal. And um, that automatically because, like, makes sense to me why they would say that, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't know why I say that. Hopefully, it'll it'll make sense. But yeah. like, there's there's multi-month stretches where I just sit and am frustrated for the the twenty minutes in the morning when I sit. It's just like reoccurring thoughts that I don't care about and I keep getting lost in them right. and I, I, I get up, but I still like, I'm grateful for the time that I took to practice and I just trust that it'll eventually come around right. and it always does. And it comes around to this, to this point of, of I sit and it's easy and I settle into this place of awareness much quicker. And um, yeah, there's that, but dude, there is times where I sit and it's just like thinking about breakfast and this project that I have to do mm. and this thing that I forgot to do and uh, fuck this person and yeah. like uh, all of this stuff comes up and it's just... Um, and that's just part I'll, of being that, human. That, I can't imagine that any sort of meditative practice completely zins you out, you know, it gets to your place where you are free from any sort of stressful or an- anxious thought that you can sort of enter that meditation at any given time, you know? Well... Yeah, I think you can if you really cultivate a mastery of it. Like I said, it's the space from the thing. So it's not it's not that the thing goes away. And that's actually something I've only learned really recently. Um, that's something else about the practice is that you're, you're constantly learning stuff uh, about the nature of, of the mind. But um, yeah, it's space from the thing, not the thing goes away. So if you're, you can be, angry and still be in a state of of meditation and awareness because you're you're seeing the thing as part of what you are not only seeing through anger and being trying angry, to get rid you know? of it right yeah but it, it's obviously a lot harder to drop into a state of of well I, I think that's individual um interestingly for me if i'm angry i, I can much easily go into a state of meditation or if i'm um yeah, uh, so there's particular difficult emotions, which my reaction immediately is to like, okay, take some space and see it for what it is. So, mm-hmm. uh, is this sort uh, of does that happen often? Where you where you are sort of entering a meditation, and you do sort of get partway through, and something does sort of dwell on you, whether it is anger or or depression or something like not not depression, say just a, a sad thought or a sad state of mind that that does yeah. become too overwhelming. It's sort of lopsided and you do have to step back and sort of, I guess, address the emotion head on. Is that what you were saying just before? Yeah. No. Makes sense? I, well, there's a difference here between just like your day-to-day when you're trying to be a bit more present and a bit more mindful 
and a and a dedicated like twenty minute sit in the morning, which is what I do. Um, they're they're a bit different situations, okay. but uh, what what I will say is like in a in a dedicated sit in the morning, for example, if you sit and you're you're thinking about like, oh this this person really fucked me over with that thing, and like how could they do that? And they're just they're just rude, and and you can witness those thoughts coming up see how they like conjure these emotions and these feelings in your body. And if you just try and sit and be aware of them, you're, you're really just like, again, it's like bicep curls. You're just going, oh, okay. So when I have those thoughts, I get this feeling and I want to do that. And, and you just kind of slowly understand more and more how your, how your mind works and how to work so with it. Looking at yourself from looking at yourself from behind in a way. In terms of like your yeah. mental state, you're sort of watching yourself, sort of watching your thoughts as they appear. Would you say you're you're, you're still addressing the thoughts? Like it's still a something that you're realizing that this thought is coming for this reason, and you're sort of bypassing it in a way. Is that too intricate of a question? No, that's actually a great question, dude. Because one of the biggest traps with spirituality and, and meditation in particular is this idea of spiritual bypass. And it's like, you could tell me something that makes me feel a particular way that I really need to address with you, that it would be proper that I address like, no, Karen, I actually think that I, I'm this, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. But a spiritual bypass would be like, oh, I'm just going to like step away, go into a mindful state and let that thought go. And now I haven't done life, right. you know? So like right. it's, it's a balance. It's a balance of cultivating this space, but also having proper action with yeah. the thoughts and emotions that are coming up, and that's a whole another dimension of of it. That's so interesting, and it just and this is this is part of what um, makes it difficult. I I understand completely what you're saying, but it's still a very intricate thing to to explain, and part of the reason why it makes it a bit harder for me to sort of really understand when you're sort of in or out of that state. And I suppose it's more of a transition than it is sort of entering. You're sort of yeah. letting things evolve, letting thoughts come and go well, or, you know. Yeah, I think it's like you have, you, you kind of, you go into a state and you're like, oh, that was it. And now you have a thought of what that thing is. And then you go deeper so that thought crumbles and now you have another thought of what the place is or what the thing is. But then you go deeper still after months more practice and then that thing crumbles. And um, I think the key is that it's experiential. Like the understanding comes from having the experience and then being able to drop all the things that you think it was, like you were saying before, these preconceptions. Um, so yeah, you could explain it forever and ever, but to have the direct experience of it is is what all of the uh, traditions have tried to provide. And that's why Buddhism is kind of one of the most, uh, well, at least hated religions is because it has a very clear like practice, follow these rules, try these things for yourself and you'll touch some deeper, deeper state. So yeah, trying to get it out of the thinking mind and into the experience of it, I think is, mm. is also key. Yeah. So in your case, you know, all, all that considered outside of the meditation is it giving you benefits to your everyday life? 
is it is it just are you using it sort of as a tool to help sort of organize thoughts or is it sort of just something to help sort of I guess I guess it's the same thing I was going to say stabilize your sort of um, state of mind I suppose like yeah I guess my question is what is it in your everyday life that you benefit from meditation yeah well I, I could get really again awesome question man I'm loving this uh, you could you could get really granular and go like it helps me with paying attention to typing or whatever it is you know it could be something really specific but I would also say that you're 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 changing the way that you're interfacing with the world so that's going to affect everything that you do in the world and it's 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 subtle how how things change but um I think the ex- I would go back to what we were talking about with just with your experience in yoga of of being like in a pose and actually going like oh you know what I'm just here like this feels this feels great like I can just be here and cool and you're not worried about okay what's next and um is the practice almost over and all this stuff you're just present and when you're present you just you're more able to take in what's around you so if you're having a conversation you can be more there and you will show up more because you're not half worried about something else and half wishing you had food or whatever it is right. you you're 100% there you have the opportunity to be your best self to listen to somebody um so i think yeah cultivating that spaciousness just allows you to be um it's a lot of transferable of qualities in a in a social setting i suppose the whole being able to sort of realize you have a thought or a, a, an idea about someone or what someone's saying and being able to sort of either bypass or i keep saying bypass i don't know i was trying to i'm trying to sort yeah. of reiterate what you were saying before about I think consider would be a good thing to say. Okay. So a thought comes up and you can consider it rather than it triggering some emotion and then some story you've told a million times about how you feel about that person. Mm-hmm. You can just, the thought comes up and you go, uh, you know what, not worth dealing with or not right now or uh, actually, yeah, I should probably address that. Yeah, um, yeah so you, you actually have the ability to consider these thoughts and and that that is beneficial in every aspect. Like um, even actually this will be cool to talk about. Like artistically you, I, I struggle with self doubt. So I will like, I'll draw a line and then I'll go, Oh, that's a shit line. Like you fucked it all up. <laughs> but, but it, with, with kind of some spaciousness, some mindfulness, I can go. And again, it's, it's from experience of seeing that that thought isn't true. So there is there's something there as well without getting, too complicated but i can i can let that doubtful thought go and just keep drawing and then something awesome will happen or um you'll be having a conversation maybe you say something that's like not on point and and you're like ah and part of you is like chattering away in the background like you shouldn't have said that you fucked up and maybe with some mindfulness and spaciousness you can just let that thought go and and again come back into a full presence with the conversation so um it's kind of this all-encompassing ability to be more in the experience of of whatever it is you're doing, and in my experience, that allows you to just be a better version of yourself. Yeah, right. which yeah, just feels 
like it's a good way to do life. Yeah. To me. For sure. Yeah. And and that's amazing that you've been able to discover that side of meditation and how it sort of translates to you. And it's probably like in a nutshell, you could perhaps get that across to someone else. Like I can understand how that will work, but because it's its own sort of practice, how you can figure out how it works in a way that works for you might not might not be the same story for someone else. I think that's so what's so interesting about it. And the point you made before about um, the idea of meditation being more of sort of a, a relaxing tool or like a... Um, you know, using it in whatever capacity that it's sort of given to you at free will these days. But yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really forming a question there. I'm just trying to sort of process this that you've given me. I think it's something I probably yeah. have to start getting into again. And I and I hate to say this to myself, but I've just been struggling to find the time to do yoga. And I don't think it's the it's the the matter of not having the time. I definitely have the time. It's just putting time into things. I, th- I think one of the reasons, I guess, why I would, I think I would need to do it, is because, like, my time management skills aren't fantastic, but it could be used potentially as a tool to sort of figure out how to organize things or sort of prioritize things as well. I suppose I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say. It. I'm just trying to sort of translate it into a world of my own from what you've you've tried to explain from it. It's quite a broad thing to really yeah. sort of cover, I suppose. Dude, it's so deep. It's so deep. And I think that's why I love it is because mm. it's like, it's con- constantly surprising. But um, yeah, I, I think I'll just say again, like it has to, there has to be an experience that you have that nobody tells you about that I don't tell you. It's an experience that you have from trying a technique of, whatever that is, Mm. and then touching some place and going like, oh, wow, that felt more true than what I do on my day-to-day basis. And then it's just about coming back to that place more and more through whatever practice that you find. Um, But it's, I think you have to have that experience of like, oh, wow, this is really valuable Mm. in order to have some motivation to do it every day. Yeah, for Um, sure. And what's worked for me, like I said, I go through these multi-month stretches where it's just frustration so it's a commitment to okay i know this isn't always going to be good but i'm just going to do it because i know that uh i've seen these great benefits from it um Mm. Mm. so i think um i think the point i was trying to make just before because because the time that i've really experienced I, i keep going back to the yoga but this is sort of where it all stems from for me um you know, yoga was something that was really easy for me to implement into my daily routine over lockdown because the world was really my oyster in, in terms of what I could do at home. You know, I had, they had all the time in the world. So it was very easy to keep that routine up because I've been finding it's very hard to implement it because I was doing it in the morning and I can't really do it in the morning on the days that I work because I'm up quite early. So I'm sort of finding I'm doing the evening and that sort of throws me off because I'm very tired at the end of the day. And I feel like it's almost ironic that I think what I would benefit from doing the yoga meditation is why I'm not doing it, if that makes sense. Like my my state of mind going into it now is much different than it was over the lockdown. But I think do, doing that practice, like you say, the, the point of just doing it, like getting over like whether you want to or not, just sort of doing it, having a routine, having a daily sort of 
go at it to sort of figure out why it is that you're feeling that way a certain day or why it is that you don't want to do it on any given time and being able to sort of see the benefits from when you're doing it in a state where you want to be doing it and a state where you don't want to be doing it and figure out what is actually happening in each of those time periods, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's kind of what it is. If you if you sit every day and look at how you how you are, or you do yoga every day, and you know the same process happens in yoga, where like you're in a difficult pose and your mind just goes crazy. It's like you shouldn't be doing this. Why are you doing this? Like you're weak or whatever it is. But in yoga, you can just kind of like feel it and then watch the thought, and it's the same sort of process of getting some space and and being allowed to to witness those thoughts. Mm. Um, did you ever have a point during yoga where you because um, I, I th- perhaps you and I are quite different in the sets I, I tend to have a wee bit of anger built up in me and that comes out at points where I, I sort of least expect it or you know think I'm okay but sort of something will happen and one thing I found during yoga was that if there was a certain pose that the person was you know, asking me to do and I couldn't exactly do it or at least got into it and couldn't hold it, I found that the anger crept in quite a bit and it was like, surely I can do this sort of thing. And it was quite difficult for me to bypass that in that state and sort of just left me feeling, I guess, bland and, and unenthused afterwards. Mm. It's tricky mm. and I don't know if, if, yeah, I don't know how to sort of get around that, I suppose. And perhaps well, it's just dude, me. But What would happen, what would happen is you you make the overarching commitment to just do yoga mm. and then the next time you're angry it'll be a little bit easier and maybe the next time after that you actually let go of the anger and you do the practice and you feel awesome mm. and then you'll be like oh shit like that's why this is powerful because i can i can see that little process that i have and i can sort of transcend it or work through it and so i think that's why the commitment is so important because then you like you yeah. said, you're seeing the different sides of yourself. You're able to see these reoccurring patterns and, and work through them. Yeah. Would um, you say you almost would want to implement it in times where you th- are feeling a certain way? Like have you ever sort of thought, right, I am in a particular emotion, whatever it is, I guess particularly talking like um, sad or, or angry or whatever, and you go, right, I, I should probably do some yoga now. I should probably try and meditate right now because I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Like, are yeah, you doing totally. it? Are you, I guess my question is more when you are doing yoga, like you say, uh, every morning you're doing a 20 minute sit. So that seems to be a fairly routine thing. But will you sort of have days where you, you do it a few more times or like you, you know, you're entering a certain state of mind and you know that you should be doing this or that or vice versa? Yeah. So it's kind of like, is there a, a prescriptive element to it? Yeah. Is there like a, I feel this so that, mm. uh, no, I, I mean, there's been times where I do I'd sit in the evening, um, which is nice to just like ground back down. But, um, I think the, the magic in it is not that you do it every time you feel angry, like you go away and you sit down. Maybe, maybe that's great. You, you know, Russell Brand, mm-hmm. he does yeah, I listen to a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah, last time I heard him talk about it, he said he does like three 20-minute sits a day. And that's what he has to do to keep his mind from running off into these crazy areas. And he's got into a lot of trouble. Um, but, but you know, for me, it's just like I can do these sort of 
when I'm when I'm on and dude, I'm not always on. Like I can talk about this stuff really, really. I hope really eloquently, but like I I have my just shit days, and <laughs> so I'm, I'm by no means an expert at this all. But like on the good days, I can just. But you're an expert in what happens for you, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So on the good days, I can just take a breath. I'm feeling angry, feeling overwhelmed. I don't have to go and sit for 20 minutes, but I can just go like, oh, and just sort of sink back into a deeper place just for a moment. And just that little touch of recognizing that I'm not, I'm not just these thoughts and feelings. I'm also this larger awareness right. is enough. So, and that's when, that's when the meditation has really come into your day to day. Yeah. Okay. So a sit sounds pretty self-explanatory, but I imagine there's a bit more to it. So what what is happening when you are going for a sit? You, you, I presume you're picking a certain spot. Is it sort of a certain position? Like, explain what you do in, in that time. Can we hold that question? I want to. I want to sure. go. I just want to say something that's I think is kind of interesting and worth pointing out. Like you asked, is there days where I would do yoga, for example? There's been there's days where I do like I'm my brain is chaos and I'll do I'll do like Wim Hof breathing in an ice bath. I'll do meditation. Yeah, I'll, so I'll are you doing do that yoga. in your story, man? That's gnarly. But like it's sometimes it's all just running away from from like, no, this just this emotion is here and like sit with it and have awareness of it. Don't try and run away and get get rid of it through all of these crazy mm. techniques that you try. So there's also something to be said there of like it's not you're not just trying to fix negative emotion. You're just trying to cultivate a, a way of being more okay with it and deal with it better. And Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the, the days where I'm doing all of the practices to try and yeah. ease the mind are not, are not necessarily the best approach either. Yeah, for sure. So, I suppose you've got to, you've got to figure out this, that specifically on that day or that emotion, how good or bad it is and whether that really needs to be done or not. I presume there's some times where... It, it is perhaps too much of a, an effort to to go out and do a 20-minute yoga session if you are feeling a certain way. I know I would certainly be like that, but like, no, I'm definitely not doing yoga right now. Yeah, but dude, the best practices are when you push through that. Right. I, I guarantee. It's like when you, yeah, the best ones are the ones where you're like, there's no fucking way. And at the end, you feel amazing. Yeah. Like, what? I didn't even think that was possible. And again, <laughs> that's, the, that's the commitment. Yeah, it's there's like, definitely some sessions that I'd done in the evening where I felt that I was like oh my god I'm so tired I want to go to bed but like man I haven't done any yoga for like a week I probably should do it and it was like oh yes mm. that's what I needed mm. you know yeah yeah and I, this again we're warning but I think the the tough part is that it's actually like an act of self-love it's it's committing to for sure oh I found this thing that's really good for me that makes me my best self Am I prepared to make a commitment which to myself, which requires love of myself to go, I'm going to dedicate myself to this practice because I know it's going to help me be the best person I can be. Mm. And that, that's an act of self-love and that is a difficult thing to do for, for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's some deep stuff, man. Yeah, dude. Well, thank you so much for asking me about it. It's been it's been yeah. so fun to. I, I, I haven't I haven't been able to have these kinds of conversations often, no, so great. it's it's That's really great. fun and to I talk know, about. I know you have some insights, and I think this is a perfect time to sort of get these things out of you. So, so tell yeah. tell me about these sits that you do. Uh, again, it's it's Sam Harris's app, um, Waking Up. So I just recommend recommend that. But it's it's uh, so it's basically it's just, just a, talking you through how to get to a certain state of mind. Is it? 
Like you, you quite literally are just sort of sitting and it's a, it's a meditation practice. Yeah, yeah. Cr- cross-legged on cushions yep. and then he's guiding you through uh, a, a simple framework of, of how, to, how to do this thing that I've been talking about, this mm-hmm. gaining space from your thoughts and, and becoming present it's and probably aware. one of the better ways to, to start a meditation practice is through, through a guided session like that, I presume. Definitely. I think it's the lowest, the lowest friction entry point. And it's also like you can quite quickly touch the place where you're like, oh shit, this is valuable. Right. Whereas you could you could flounder around for years on your own reading books and things. But um yeah, I would recommend that. And and dude, it is as simple as just sitting on a cushion. But then the the world inside is is so infinite and complex that mm. it's um yeah. And it's and it's always outside, sort of no matter the weather. Like do you have you I presume you've oh, sort no, of done no. a Sorry, inside, yeah. inside. Oh, yeah. okay, right. Yeah. 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 No, I've got like a little little setup here yeah. of just cool shit that I sit in front of. Oh, cool. Okay. I would imagine you I sort of anyway. thought about like um, as part of a meditation process, like if it was like quite cold, because you say you, you've been doing ice baths and things like that. Would that be something that you think you or someone else would benefit from was doing a sit like you do, but sort of outside in the cold and sort of trying to sort of bypass the... I keep saying bypass, I don't know if that's the right word I want to use, but you know, sort of I guess moving through it or moving with it to sort of overcome that sense of, you know, I need to get out of the cold or something as well. Or is that yeah, just sort of yeah. become like dangerous for your body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This well, dude, there is crazy stories. I uh where was I? I was in I was in Thailand and there's these um these figures everywhere of this you know, like bronze castings of various sizes, some that are fucking huge, of this guy who's like skin and bone, his arms are like as thin as a finger and he's like hurled over in meditation position, like almost dead. And they all celebrate this guy because he just sat. He just sat, he didn't eat, didn't drink. He just sat for like 50 years and then then died in in a meditation position. So like... (laughs) You can go as far as to completely transcend the needs of the human body and like those people that can lower their heart rate to such a low rate that they don't even really require many calories. So there's it's a spectrum and you can go so far either way. But dude, I think you just start like sitting on a that's on a cushion in a that's, warm room. Yeah. That's interesting that you you say that because um I was listening to David Blaine talk about how he prepares himself for sort of being in, immersed in ice or whatever that is he, did, he does for so long and sort of the things that the body is able to achieve when sort of put into those environments and sort of excessive amounts is is bizarre how you can how you can drop your heart rate so low like that and it, like when you when you take an, an ice bath how long are you in there for and and again a question I've asked before what benefits are you getting from the ice bath and do you find that yeah. it's like you can sort of feel your heart rate drop? Is it and is it training you to sort of have a lower heart rate, or I guess I guess what is the purpose of of the ice bath for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, the ice bath is is all Wim Hof, so he's the ice man, notorious for doing all these crazy ice things. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm kind of, I would say I'm I'm still very novice at that that practice. I, it's a breath work and. Uh, and a cold exposure. Um, but the, the nitty gritty of that man is like, we're talking about this present moment, right? And that sometimes it's hard to get into. Sometimes it's hard to let go of thoughts and anger and all this shit. 
when you're in a cold bath, like you, you don't have any choice but to be cold in a bath. And like you're you're absolutely pulled into the the experience of being cold, mm. and you just have to do this breathing to sort of stay, because it's what you're doing. Just just breathe. Don't worry about the cold. You're going to be fine. Just breathe, and it's it's sort of a physiological state that you're forcing yourself into being utterly present in the moment. And there's there's all of this crazy stuff that the human body does after being exposed to cold that is is supposedly really helpful for the immune system and you just kind of feel like buzzy and alive. And mm. so it's a, it's a really good reset. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's definitely not a, a relaxation thing. It's a, it's a figuring out how to sort of overcome a, an overwhelming feeling, I suppose, because my, my initial thought to being in an ice bath is that um, this is going to be very intense. How do you sort of overcome that and find a sort of, like, do you, would you say you find a, a sense of peace during that? Or is it more just sort of, figuring out how to sort of get over it. Like with the breathing techniques, I presume that's sort of calming you down in a way. But you're not exactly reaching like a meditative state like you would when you're doing a set or something. We kind of do though. You kind of do. I think, um, again, the first few times you do it, you're going to be like shocked and like, holy shit, mm. this is cold. I can't believe I'm doing this. Da, 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 da. But the, the more I've done it, the more I can get into that bath and just do the breathing and just feel my body react and um like you're just suddenly so present i'm seeing the sky above me and the trees i'm feeling the wind i'm feeling the cold and i can do the the breath and be a lot calmer despite there being a very intense sensation of cold it's 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 not negative and i'm just i'm just there in the present moment so okay. i think it's it's again like with practice the the thing evolves and changes and i think you could get more and more calm and you know wim hof claims that with enough practice, you can you can tap into bodily systems that we had no idea that we could mm. control, and that's mm. how he's done these. He's crazy. He's he's been in submerged in ice for like a day. And yeah, I saw a little it, documentary on him a few years ago, and sort of known about him ever since. Every time he comes up, I'm familiar with the work he does. It's pretty intense stuff, but no expert, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so fascinating. Yeah. So, are you are you in there sort of on your own time frame, or are you sort of working to a time? to be in the ice bath. Yeah, you could do whatever. I, I'm I, I just go with my body. Sometimes I go under like you do the the breath work is like you take a full breath in and then you only let out a little bit. Uh, and the idea there is you're bringing in more oxygen than you're expelling. A lot like David Blaine was talking mm -hmm. about. I, I, I watched the start of that podcast. Um, and and so you go under the water in the ice bath, you you exhale and you go under um, and you'll be surprised at how long you can stay under. And the, the quietness of everything is just astounding when you're utterly present, freezing cold and underwater. It's just like nothing is going on and it's mm. a really peaceful state to be. But I don't work to a clock. I just do whatever my body feels is, is comfortable doing. And that's yeah. how Wim encourages you to do it as well. Yeah. So there's obviously some dangers involved in that process too. So as much as you are working to sort of your own feeling or your, your body's response, do you suppose there sort of could come a point where you have been in there for too long or you you sort of, I keep wanting to say bypass, you sort of get over What's the, a better word? Let's think of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Transcend. Yeah, that's 
probably very fitting for the argument. Um, yeah, yeah. So you you transcend this this thought, or you know, you've you've overcome the the overwhelming feeling of the of the cold. But you know, if you if you are sort of too immersed in it, and you you not stop responding to your body, but um, I guess sort of find I guess a, a state of relaxation or, or calm. But it's, it it almost takes over too much, and you are in there for too long, and it sort of becomes dangerous. I guess my question is, yeah. you know, there must be a point surely where you're in is the ice bath for too long, like you need to get out, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think um, something that Wim sort of champions, and interesting thing about him is that his teaching is really, it's really um, basic. It's not like do this exact thing for this amount of time and. You know, he's kind of just like, breathe in, alert, yeah. breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And you're like, wait, what, what am I doing? But he, he really trusts that this is something that's innate in, in you as a human monkey. And like, mm. you just do, you, you listen to the body and the body will tell you what to do. And I think that's right. Whereas like, you, you won't get so zenned out that you'll freeze to death. Um, and, and, yeah, just be reasonable and listen to the body and yep. it'll tell you. Yeah, I suppose that's it, isn't it? There's going to be a point where it's like, oh, okay, this is intolerable and you and you sort of leap out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but you could just stay in that bath and do what we were talking about before, the spiritual bypass. So there's these thoughts and, and sensations coming up being like, dude, fucking breathe or get yeah. out of this cold bath or you're going to yeah. die. Uh, and you've been in there for like two minutes and you just keep, no, I'm just going to go into a meditative state and let these thoughts go and then you're dead. So... Um, yeah, should laugh, but I mean that's that's kind of the question I wanted to ask. Like, surely there's a point at which you can just sort of pass out. Yeah, dude. There, there's there's becoming a more and more aware in this sense, but then there's also just an element of like wisdom, and it's yeah, like, yeah, you no. Know, there's some thoughts you have to listen to and act on. And, with, I guess and getting some, out of a cold bath is one of them. Yeah, for sure. I I suppose <laughs> there's some. I, I guess the logic stems from that point specifically that these things can be quite dangerous. And your body is responding to them, but you're rather than sort of taking it all away, you're just making your body learn or sort of adapt to that environment. You know, so it's it's not like we're going to die here. It's like how your body responds or what it does to sort of account for that until the inevitable. But you're sort of stopping at that point and bringing building up um, immunity, like you say, it helps with your immunity. That sort of thing. It's quite a crazy yeah. thing and quite scary, probably scary, probably to a lot as well, and probably why someone like Wim Hof has been so sort of looked at is because these practices are crazy and often very dangerous too and sort of adds to the whole, I suppose, mystery of it all. But I think I think it's not dangerous. I think the human body is so powerful beyond what we think it is and it's so capable right. and we just have so much fear around like, oh, no, don't do that, you'll get a cold. Or da, 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 da. Yeah. But if you just put like fucking trust in it and you just breathe like a beast and do a practice that uh, like what Wim Hof is talking about is not new. It's, it's a, a breathing technique from, from ancient times. He's just sort of popularized it. Um, I think the body is, is a super powerful tool that we totally underestimate and mm. it's fully capable of being in an ice bath for two minutes. Like oh, no yeah. problem. I definitely agree with you, but I also believe that we are very fragile too. And that yeah. as, as strong as we can become through these practices it also does not take much to die, you know? Yeah, 
there's wisdom involved as well. Yeah, like I said, yeah, like, sure. if you've got a, if you've got a cold, don't you're going to compromise your immune system mm. by getting super super cold. So mm. yeah, there's always just like a common sense element. Yeah, to for sure. Yeah, anything definitely, like this. and that comes down yeah. to the individual, of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like I said before with the bad days where I try and do every single spiritual practice there is. It's like oh, sometimes you just don't just don't push it. Just do what's reasonable, yeah. common yeah. sense. Cool, fantastic. I see um, recently you've uh, gotten back into your sling practices. So I've seen a bit more content coming up from you recently. Have you had the opportunity to sort of come back into your 3D printing? Is that what you were doing? Or just sort of design process in the water? I guess where are you at yeah. with your sling? And perhaps Dude, explain that's... sling to the people listening, <laughs> for those that don't know. Yes. Well, sling is, is a, uh, it's a way of wearing a drink bottle. It's just a simple rope that, clips onto a drink bottle and then you can sling it over your body. Uh, it's super helpful as invented it at a music festival. So it's, it's really helpful for festivals and uh, travel, but um, yeah, it's, it's sort of been dead in the water throughout the lockdown. I haven't had much motivation to do it and no access to, to tools and things. Mm. Um, yeah. As hole. you, yeah, as you saw, like I got, I got a bit of push for a couple of weeks. I ordered this 3d printed part Um but no, it's been real slow going, man. I, I, I've because of everything that went down. I just had to fully focus on stuff that was going to help me mm. financially. So yeah, naturally. Um, yeah. yeah so fell, I guess what are your back. yeah? Okay. So I guess um, my question then is, what are your I suppose goals or what's the next step once those tools are available to you again? What is something that you want to start working on? Or I guess where where is the model at at the moment? that needs tweaking yeah. or is it, you know, you find it's progressing quickly or is it sort of trying to figure out at the moment what it is that is the next step? Yeah. Next step is like, okay, I've made this thing as good as I can make it. I've got feedback from people. I need to see if it's, if it's going to sell. So the next step for me is building a website and trying to push it in some way. Um, I obviously don't have the money to do like a Kickstarter campaign of any quality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, unless I connect up with a super passionate videographer who's, who's into the product too and willing to just invest time. Um, I think I would just do a simple website and try and sort of guerrilla sell it on my own at festivals and things like this. But it, the product itself is at a point now where it's good enough that I can try and sell it to people and, and see if it's actually wanted. So that's, that's where I'm at. Is production something that is a bit of a drawback for you like it's it's pre- it's just solely you making them isn't it so if you if you're needing to produce a mass amount that's that's a lot of time off your hands i presume yeah that's something that i'm just like if that is a problem that's a good problem to have and i'll okay. figure it out when i need to yeah. figure it out yeah and your <laughs> fingers make, will be so trained you can probably make them yeah, like yeah. that yeah i can make them really really quick but uh i wouldn't be able to yeah, I'll, 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 I'd be happy to have that problem. Like, I can't make these fast enough. Oh, that's that good. Be, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, that's cool, man. It's cool to see your creative process. You're probably the one of the only people, to be fair, you're one of the few people I know in the design realm of things. But to see to see a practice, I, I, I laugh at this because, um, uh, you know, a big argument or people things that people say about school is that you know you don't learn anything school these skills aren't transferable to real life that sort of thing but you're probably one of the pure examples where what we learn in school about design is something that you have actually implemented and I can see your step by step following the step by steps you know like there's probably tons of people in the field that do follow that same procedure but aren't presenting it in the way that you are 
And it's just fascinating to actually see you take that process seriously and actually be able to develop on your own ideas. Because one of the things, mm. and that's why it's surprising to me, is because when I was in those classes or when I think of things design-wise or coming up with ideas and concepts and things, I struggle to really get past the initial idea. So whatever I, I come up with is then and there. And in my head, I go, yeah, that's it. Like, done. That's that's what I wanted. It's there. It's out on the paper. I don't know how to progress from that sort of thing. But you managed to do it. Whether, whether that idea that you present initially is, is bang on from the start, I don't know. But whether you sort of adapt on that initial idea or you've sort of backtraced to sort of underdevelop and then figure out why you've made it this way or that way, you know, is that something that you think about? Are you are you sort of seriously trying to progress the design, or are you really just sort of figuring out how to adapt it to different things? Yeah, like in terms of how it works and and what its uses are. Yeah, well, uh, what I would firstly say is um, I have thousands of ideas which have never left the paper. I think that's just part of being somebody whose brain makes ideas. It's Are like, you talking in general or sling-wise? Uh, in general. Yeah. I have so many ideas that we just <laughs> that I have never got any any further with. So um, it's a really fucking hard thing to do, man, mm. to, to get things to happen, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, no, with this with, with sling, it's just it, – it was kind of similar in that as soon as I made it, I tied a, a tent guy rope onto my drink bottle and, like, danced around at a festival and I was like, holy shit, this is a no-brainer. Like, it's just, this is just a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so useful. But And ever since then, I've just tried to improve it to a point where I wouldn't feel rude to sell it to someone. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. I've, I feel like I've finally reached that point after giving you a crappy one to test. That's, um, um, it's, oh, that's been great though, man. Like, like considering that's one of your earlier models like that, that is fantastic. Like it works in all the ways that I would expect the product to work. You know, like the the things that you're doing it to now, the things that you are doing to it now, or the things that you were trying to adapt onto it, it's just making it that all the much better. I think the fundamentals are there for sure, but sort of mm. what I'm seeing from you seems to be how you're how you're sort of adapting on those things just to sort of make them better. Is that is that the general thought process, or are you trying to make it a different product, not a different no, product, I but work in a different way, perhaps? I think uh, I don't know if this is answering the question, but I just I just think it's a cool idea, yeah. and I want to see if others think it's a cool idea. That's it, so I'm just yeah. I, I, I'm just taking it as far as I can, and I think I'm at the edge of the point of finding out, which is a bit scary. Um, but I, I'd really like to get it there. I would kick myself if I never actually tried to push this thing oh, for the sure. world and see. And considering the amount thought. of time and effort you put into it as well, you sort of be silly not to give it mm. a go and see what the response really is. But I, I get the same inspiration from you, man. It's just the the ability to get excited by an idea and then make it happen. And and whether that's on the scale of a product that takes months and months and months, or it's a just a, a painted image, mm. and you can create that in a day, or, or a podcast. If you're doing so well with this, it's so cool. Thanks, man. That I think just that process of going an idea is exciting, and I'm going to try and find whatever way I can to make mm. that thing happen is kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm just lucky that I have that that structure of design yeah. uh, kind of built into me. I'm not one to to talk myself up or anything, but I will say the one aspect about my personality that I do love and has benefited me greatly is that if I do have an idea of something like and I'm very passionate about that, that idea from the get-go, like I'm all in. Like with this mm. man, that, that was all it was. It was like had the idea... Oh, that would be interesting to take that platform and have it here. 
I've got the space to do it. I've got the means to make it happen. Why not do it? And that's just what happened. I'm all in. I'm doing it. And same with painting as well. It was just just took one, one, um, one other person doing that same thing for me to go. Okay, I could do that. I can. I can see myself doing that and just doing it. And mm. that's, that's. Has there been difficulties and and resistances in in make like in particular in the podcast and getting it to happen? Yeah, um, kind of goes comes back to what we were talking about before about learning things the hard way. Um, and that's exactly what's happened with this podcast. Um, and I'm in, I'm not not in over my head, but I'm in very deep. And <laughs> not to say that in a bad way, but I'm I am doing this now. This is this is something that I'm doing, and I love doing it. And um, yeah. obviously, it's only been a month or so, but I I, I love doing it, and I know I'm going to be doing it for a long time. I've got the gear now to to get me through heaps of it, you know. But um, mm-hmm. to, to answer the question. Um, yeah, definitely been definitely been some struggles learning things the hard way. So figuring out what it is that makes, in terms of the equipment side of things, figuring out what it is that makes a good recording um, is definitely probably spent a lot more money than I should have. And that is sort of, I guess, the negative side of my personality in that aspect is that I just want to get it and get it done and get it started like the same day sort of thing. So that usually means buying things without spending too much money at one go, you know, oh, if I can do this for, um, you know, not so much money, if I can get this started for as cheap as I can, then I'll do it. But of course, that was what happened is, um, you know, learning things a hard way is that there are certain things that do have to be done properly to make it sound right. So I just sort of got all the equipment that I thought I needed firsthand and the first couple of takes, we did naturally sounded terrible. You're not sort of going to nail it first time, but... Yeah, there's there's lots of things that come out, and and it doesn't help that I'm not very tech savvy. So it was all about what is making the workflow easier. And at the end of the day, that just sort of ended up meaning that I just had to fork out a wee bit more to get the right equipment. You know, it was sort of got to a point where it's like, if you're going to want to do this properly, you do have to cash out a wee bit just to get the right stuff. And that's sort of where I'm at now. I've sort of got it all good I don't know stress involved anymore which is great so yeah it's sort of apart from when we try over over zoom apparently (laughs) i mean realistically that didn't take us too long to get it sorted but you know that's that's one of the small it's a small piece of the pie i suppose um but workflow now is fantastic so now i can actually start concentrating on on the content and and you know who's who's going to be coming on and when they're coming on rather than worrying about actually getting it going initially so at a stage yeah. now where it's it's all about the workflow, like I've got the tools there and doing it, but definitely a few uh, stressful weeks leading up to it. But that's kind of what I enjoy about it. You know, I like being able to fill in a day to solve a problem. So it wasn't, it didn't put me off at all. I got very, very frustrated, but, you know, that sort of motivated me in a way to be like, okay, well, why isn't this working? Or why, how can I fix this or that? And just making a day of making making that thing work and getting that satisfaction all sort of ties into how I feel about how it's all running and now it just feels very, very it feels right and it feels comfortable and it's settled and it just feels like what I should be doing now. So hopefully that That's awesome. in its whole just means it'll carry on as long as it as it will. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're such a, a natural conversationalist. I think podcasts are are an awesome structure because they're a dedicated conversation and we don't those aren't normal occurrences yeah. now. This like, is something so just I'm to finding. dedicate. 
Yeah, and and you've got a really natural talent for keeping the conversation flowing, even when I'm fucking thirty miles away and spiritual, <laughs> trying to figure yeah, out yeah. what the fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, you can still keep it going, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, but I wonder, like, so we we have this idea of something we want to achieve. Yours is a podcast, mine is a sling, and there's all of these difficulties and resistances in getting us there. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm there yet; I'm far from it. But what is it that keeps us pushing through those those difficult things? Yeah, I mean, for me. It is it is that failing and succeeding from your failures, you know, learning from what it is that doesn't make something work or click, you know. I, I just, I think my anger and frustration plays in, a big part into how I end up achieving things because it has to be done. And I'm very, very impulsive in, um, you know, if I find something, that there's something I need to get something done, then I want to get that done that same day or as soon as, as soon as is possible for me to achieve that thing, um, and I think that's just sort of ingrained in me. So I think for me, it really just is me getting it done the way that I want, having the things that I want and need to to get it going. I don't know. I mean, I it's almost like striving for perfection a wee bit. Like I I definitely didn't don't need all the stuff that I have here now to to do what I'm doing, but it was just. Like this, this could have been. I could have been a few episodes deeper. Um, you know, I could have just bought something to plug into my phone, like you know, little lapel mics, and and sit, get people around and just sit down and talk and do it that way. And I probably have more content then, but they wouldn't sound as good. And to me, that mm. would just bug me to no end. Listening to something because being a being a podcast listener, listening to something on my own and comparing that to someone else's product would just bother me too much and I would eventually be here anyway so it's like might as well just go all in for it so I guess yeah. I don't know if that answers the question but I guess that's, yeah, that's sort of you how just, I get to the result you get a, a an idea of something that excites you and you're like I'm going to get this done I'm going to try and do it today yeah and you just you just push yeah. push through and, and that can definitely have negative connotations too like I can definitely um, go all in on something and then when I am there and all in I realize that isn't what I wanted to do, and but that's dude, that's that's so good. I wouldn't say that's a negative thing. I think it's so it's so much better to like go a hundred percent deep into a hole that you're not supposed to dig than to dig fifty holes a foot deep because you're too scared to commit to anything. Like because then at least you know you don't want to do that thing. Yeah, for sure. Whereas if you have fifty shallow holes, you're like, I have no idea what I do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and it definitely definitely wasn't thinking of that as a negative, but you know. Um, not not a negative in sort of like a mental standpoint, I suppose, but in terms of like financial, like with this, if I yeah, put all this gear shit. and then find out find <laughs> out I didn't want to do it and I've just spent, you know, X amount on all of the stuff, I'd kick myself in the yeah. butt for a wee while. Um, but well, that, yeah, no, it's like definitely, definitely the best way to, to grow and, and figure out what it is that you want to do is just go all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just commit. Like, uh, yeah. I've I've got all these post-its here of cool shit that I I never read, but occasionally they're good. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, yeah, like, if you're going to try, if you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. And I think that's good. Like, yeah, to just get to the end of something. And then, and I remember um, you approached me and, and said if I'd be keen to make a logo. Mm. I'm like, yeah, man, happy to help you. Uh, let me know when you have three recorded podcasts, because it's like at least then I know you're doing it for real yeah, for and sure. like it's happening and and it can can be done. Yeah. So. I, admittedly, but, initially, when you had said that to me, I sort of thought, because I was always already quite deep at that stage, and I was like, I'm definitely doing it. Like, 
I know that I was definitely going to be doing at least three episodes. So to me, it was kind of like, not not that I was shunning you or was getting angry at you at all. It was more just like, like I just want to get it all done now. That was just back to that whole thing. It's like, I just want you to give me the logo. <laughs> that was sort of what it was. Yeah. And But that sort of worked out for me because it was like, okay, yes, I see where you're coming from. That makes sense. You don't want to have to do work for someone and then find out it sort of doesn't get put to good use. You know, you'd have for me to just but do dude, one or two episodes and fizzle out. That wasn't about me. And I, I was just, I've heard of so many people starting shit and not doing it and just being all talk. So mm. I was like, I was like, if this is something you're going to do, show me that you're doing it mm. for reals. And then I'm so happy to help you make it, yeah. make it pop. Uh, and you ended up making your own logo. Yeah, I was going to say dope. that's the irony because I was just so like, <laughs> I got to have all these things in place right now. I'll just do it myself. Yeah, and that was nothing against you at all. I still, I still definitely would love to see where you would have done with it. Um, but you, yeah, you've done, you've done better than I ever, ever could. It's like it's such an authentic thing to you and your your vibe and your brand. So mm. I think you did awesome. Yeah, and I, I, um, yeah, I think I, I did kind of luck out there because I, I, I sort of had an idea of what I wanted and sort of tried slapping things together and it sort of ended up coming out the way I want. But I, I did worry, especially with the name um, and, the, and the logo in this case, that whatever I made, I would get sick of very quickly. Um, so that was part of the reason why I asked you to do it because, because it wasn't something that I had created. I would probably like it more. So that sort of was the main thing for me. It was like, you know, if I don't have to listen to or look at something that I don't haven't made on my own, I'm probably going to enjoy it a lot more. And that's something that I do struggle with creatively. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm. I'm losing you. You there? You froze for a bit. Yeah, I was getting robot Karen. You were getting what? Robot Karen. What is that? Oh, Robot Karen, right. Yeah. I think you said Robot Karen. I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> Karen, man. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, when we end this, I was going to do a thank you prayer to the Zoom gods because they've been so kind. Just that was oh, yeah. the only lag we've had this whole time. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a little tiny one where you'd froze for a second. The audio was still coming through, but you... You had skipped the wee bit and my heart sank a wee bit, but we were right. But yeah, Zoom, been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> well, look, we've been talking for, for two hours, I think. This is a very solid, solid effort. Yo. Yeah. Yeah, that was really fun, dude. And yeah. and again, you've done so well with the podcast. Such a, a natural thing for you to do and super fun for me. That was so cool to talk about. Yeah, awesome. Some of that well, that, stuff that's there. the idea, eh? And I, I knew it was things you were passionate about. And I, I did want some answers from you too, of course. And it's, it's obviously always nice to catch up with you. So I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, man. Yeah, really grateful. It's cool. been fun. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Again, thanks. Always lovely to see your face, man. And uh, stay on the line. I want to chat to you afterwards, but uh, we'll wrap it up for everyone, eh? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, bro. Bye, everyone. of all kinds. Sit down and relax. Enjoy the music.